guys, hello and welcome back. I'm Jojo Fraser. It's time for a Mojo Injection, episode 130. Here we are. It's lovely to have you in this space, guys, and I'm sending you so much Mojo. This is a place where we come judgment-free, we listen with two ears, and we open up those minds and try and learn something. And I am always banging on that we have four types of health, um, and spiritual health often gets neglected a little bit, although there's so much more chat about it now, whether you are religious. Now, I know religion gets quite a bad rep, as I've spoken about, and that's because the news only tells the negative stories. I have seen incredible things happening in churches and also around the world, having met so many amazing people from different religions. And I've seen a lot of amazing things. And I also think that prayer and meditation are really, really powerful. Um, we were speaking about Eastern and Western spirituality and the difference between the two. I think when you're listening to this, just kind of drop the labels and just listen to the sort of key principles here. And you can take from it what you want. Um, so my guest had got in contact Pradeep through uh, Instagram and I was having a look at his page. I've put the details in the show notes and some of the things, some of the quotes were intelligence isn't your ability to think, it's your ability to stop thinking. I like that one. Um, love is when you feel, is what you feel within and has nothing to do with the other person that interested me. And I've heard that in talks before. Um, the moment you think you know, you no longer do. I was like, right, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Um, so we get pretty deep. I asked some pretty intense questions um, and I really enjoyed it. And my mind was slightly blown. Uh, I went for a run after and I was like, whoa, that was quite a lot to process. But um, it was really, it was deep and it was insightful. And I just love meeting different characters. Pradeep is so interesting. And um, I really loved hearing his perspectives and his life stories. And yeah, it's it's definitely worth tuning in till the end. So Pradeep is a spiritual life coach to leaders and influencers. He has a different approach to self and spiritual development. He believes that nobody is broken or needs fixing. Everyone is perfectly whole and just needs the insights that allow them to access the wholeness within them. To quote Pradeep, he says, all the answers for your life are actually right in front of you. You just need to be in a position to access them. I don't believe in changing you or your mindset or even give you solutions for your life. Instead, I focus on giving you the perspectives that help you break away from fear, judgment and conditioning and insights that take you into consciousness where you're in sync with the universe. You may want to call that God. Um, you may want to, you know, as I said, you listen to this through your heart and your soul. Um, this is where transformation happens without you needing to try. This is where life becomes spiritual interesting and I love what he's saying about conditioning as well we've all been conditioned to a certain extent right and there's been things that have happened that have perhaps changed what our belief system is and I, I, I talk about you know really connecting to my heart and what feels right even though I've heard so so many things over the years seen so so, so many things it's that kind of knowing that you know, there's a famous verse to speak about the kingdom of God is within you. It, it's it's being still and knowing and tuning into your soul. And in life, it can be so busy and we don't have time to stop and be still and 
just be still and know, like trust ourselves more. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to. And I like the way Pradeep, he doesn't really commit. He doesn't, you know, I ask him about books. He did give me a song, but he was very, very open and, and was saying, you know, I was saying, these are things I do that bring me joy and quiet and down my mind and stuff. And he, he was very much, well, it's a case by case basis and he'll tune in with his intuition to what he needs that day. Um, so bit of a bit of a mystery (laughs) he did say he was quite a private person and he's quite new to the instagram world which is where he found me um so yeah interesting really interesting um so guys sit back relax or whatever you're doing and prepare to to be inspired to prepare to be challenged prepare to be curious and let's go all the love to you guys and um I've put lots of wild swimming content up on my YouTube channel at Jojo Fraser and I'm trying to do update the blog as often as I can at mummyjojo.com if you want to contact me about anything you can um, write to me at mummyjojoblog at gmail.com and if you've enjoyed this episode you've been challenged or inspired it's given you something to think about please go leave a review hit some stars and spread the mojo all the love to you Okay, Pradeep, thank you so much for coming on Time for a Mojo Injection. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's really lovely to connect and um, really enjoy reading your content. So I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about you. So you have Mm -hmm. a desire to help people collapse fear and conditioning to align with their flow. All lovely um, things to think about. Tell us a bit more about who you are and what makes you unique, firstly, before we we get into this passion you have. Okay, sure. So so I grew up in a a boarding school in India, and it was a very uh, spiritual boarding school. So it's a very kind of open mindset where um, we had no exams. It was all about, you know, trying to find, find, find out who you really are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think my life kind of took off from there. So everything I did from that place just followed on with that, with that sort of mindset of discovering who I was at a deeper level. And uh, so I, then I did my, uh, I did engineering in India. Uh, then I came over to the UK and I did a master's in physics. I went on to uh, jump a different, a couple of different careers. So from uh, consulting to day trading to setting up a business and eventually landed up on coaching. And uh, so in the UK, what I did was primarily um, business and life coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, then about four years back, I moved, uh, moved to India with the intention of bringing or what I do or what, or who I really am uh, to leaders in India. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been doing. I've been, uh, coaching leaders and uh, influencers in India. This and this is with the intention of uh, getting a lot of these skills across to the rest of the country. Because uh, I mean, a lot of this is very important. So this kind of brings me to the second part of your question, which is what is unique about me? Now, the one thing, and this is, it's taken me a long time to figure this out, right? Um, but 
the one thing that I did realize is my entire life has actually been about um, collapsing conditioning, about looking beyond the rules, looking beyond fear, looking beyond all that, and uh, seeing the world from a very different place. And so I've always had a different perspective to things. And as you're growing up, it's, all, it's always a little challenging because everyone sees things a certain way. And uh, seeing something from a different angle isn't a particularly easy experience to go through when you're younger. Mm-hmm. But eventually, as I, kind of, uh, as I grew up and as this took a, a more productive form, I started to see that I could see things that most people couldn't see. I could see uh, perspectives of situations. I could see, I could access different thoughts that most people weren't able to because their, their own ideas limited what they could see. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I then, so even coaching as it is, what I actually do, even though I call it coaching, it really isn't coaching because coaching takes a person from where they are to where they want to be. And what I actually do is I provide guidance and perspective. So I take people from where they are and who they think they are to who they really are. And I do this by helping them collapse ideas that actually hold them in a place and, and bring about all the challenges they have in life. Really interesting. So are there like barriers that you come across a lot in terms of what holding people back certain beliefs that perhaps they picked up in childhood are there a few kind of key patterns there uh, well for the most part uh culture and this is it doesn't matter where it is but you know wherever people grow up they they imbibe a certain culture right they imbibe um a certain way to be whether it's from their parents their friends society the country they're in whatever it is Mm-hmm. And this actually forms almost the hardest crust around who they really are because it stops them from being who it stops them from accessing anything that is not commonly accepted or anything that they aren't used to knowing. Mm-hmm. So when it comes, it's, and it's different in different places, depending on the upbringing people have had or the environment they've grown up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, cu- culture, religion, even spirituality, everything has its own rules, right? Everything comes with a, with a template. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just follow that template without thinking too much. We just absorb it. Mm-hmm. And as a result, no matter what path you're going down, even, if, even a path of spirituality, and I say that because it's supposed to be the one where you're supposed to discover yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but even as you go down a spiritual path, you'll find that you're just taking on practices that have been set in stone in some way. Mm-hmm. There's very little room for self-discovery and self-exploration of anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that actually limits your own, the freedom of your own mind. Yeah. You don't approach it from a place where you can truly discover it for yourself. Yeah. I, I think that's really interesting because, you know, If you were thinking about, for example, the difference between spirituality and religion. So Mm -hmm. I've been brought up in the Christian church. So we've been reading the Bible and I would say I'm a very um, open minded. I I don't like to hang on to like labels, if you know what I mean, because I'm kind of very spiritual person, pray, have a relationship with God, but also... um, 
like I can see lots of overlap. So for example, in the Bible, it says the kingdom of God is within you, right? Mm -hmm. Spirituality, you know, it says God, you know, you, you have to find it all for yourself. So it can be how you interpret scripture and how you interpret spiritual practice, can't it? It can be quite a, as you say, a very personal thing. And, you know, I was growing up when we pray, you know, you see the images of a white man in a beard and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that kind of messed my head up a little bit, like these labels. And I became a bit of a rebel in my teenage years and would challenge a lot of scripture that I personal, personally, with my values, didn't agree with, if you know what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, obviously there's, there's different interpretations as well. I was speaking to someone the other day and they said, you know, there's a famous verse in the Bible that says, turn the other cheek. Um, and actually some have been saying lately that rather than turn your other cheek to be hit again, what it means is if you turn the other cheek, the, it's a different type of the hand coming towards you. So it means you're an equal. It's um, your inside of the hand. And that means we're all right. equal. So, you know, it's just different interpretations and things like that. So what, where do you sit? And are you, where do you feel the differences between religion and spirituality? Because as you see, all practice can have a kind of a, a little bit of these dogmatic layers in there. They do, you know. And uh, so as I grew up, I was not religious at all. So I actually was quite averse to it. Um, and so I kind of, I think any kind of structure that was imposed on me, I pushed it back because I wanted, it, it, it stifled me. It didn't allow my mind to breathe. Mm -hmm. And um, so I found that religion for me, like I, I learned a bit about the religion which I grew up in which is Hinduism. So I know a bit about it. Um, and then eventually when I came upon spirituality, because even my experience through spirituality has been a very personal one. It has not been one where I've learned anything. Mm -hmm. I have discovered over time that because I've constantly um, collapsed these layers of filters within my mind, the views I started having lined up with what people talked about in spirituality. Mm -hmm. so it wasn't i i didn't read i don't i still don't read anything uh for me everything is it's just about what comes to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and because i've taken away a lot of the ideas that would are normally condition or or that we conform to um a lot of what comes is is very clean it's mm -hmm. and it's there's no fear there's none of that so as a result i've it's almost like i've I've gone on this parallel track of building my own spirituality mm -hmm. and I've watched that alongside what spirituality seemed to be right now. And spirituality right now is quite popular, isn't it? I mean, they've, you have two different forms. You have Eastern spirituality and Western spirituality, and they both approach it from different angles. Um, but what I found is that spirituality is just religion without shackles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you can further remove the shackles from spirituality itself to get a version of it that has no fear in it. Because whatever's out there still has fear in it in a lot of ways. And when you start taking that out, it completely frees the mind. I mean, and so a lot of what I do, like, um, especially nowadays, so when I came here, the intention was more along the lines of, you know, uh, helping leaders and helping people 
uh, bring mass change to the country. Mm-hmm. But over time, I found that I was slowly being pushed towards bringing forth this um, this perspective or this way of seeing things without fear, without any rules. And so that's why very recently, I think it was about late last year, I uh, decided to open up completely because otherwise I'm a very private person and I preferred, you know, coaching and privacy and just, you know, not advertising at all, just keeping myself uh, off market. Mm -hmm. And uh, as of last year, I decided that it was time to actually bring or bring forth these skills to anyone and everyone, Mm -hmm. which is why I set up an Instagram profile. And that's, I mean, that's where I found you. Um, So now a lot of what I do is actually helping people within this industry, I call it an industry of spirituality. So healers, other coaches, therapists, helping them unlock their own spirituality. So helping them rid what they, what the fear from everything they know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, it actually cleans it up quite nicely. A lot of the concepts start changing form. They look very different. So, so for me, in reality, religion, spirituality, very similar. Spirituality is the deeper parts of religion because really, see, religion itself serves a purpose. Everything serves a purpose, right? Nothing is useless in that sense. Everything is very valuable. It's just about what part of your journey it's on. So religion's valuable until it's not. And such is the case for spirituality itself. It is extremely useful until you transcend that itself. So transcendence. So how did you get to a place of transcendence? Would you, and, and what's the difference between that and enlightenment and becoming a full consciousness? Mm-hmm. Um, so this one's going to sound pretty out there, right? Um, and actually, you know what, before, before I get into this, what I would like to tell everyone who's listening is that the best thing you can do for yourself, and this will apply to what I'm going to say, is whenever there's a new concept or a new idea, if it is different from what we know or what we're comfortable with, we will tend to shut down. But the ability to stay open, but not just stay open and absorb everything, but to know what feels right to you is extremely valuable. And this has been almost the, let's just say the foundation of my entire, entire life, which is if something feels right to me, if it resonates with me, if it makes me feel expansive, it makes my mind feel free, I absorb it no matter what it is. If it makes me, if it brings about any fear or a sense of constriction, I don't, I just reject it. And over time, the same thing could move from one to the other, if that makes sense. It all depends on where you are and what you're ready for. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to listen from that place, the most outlandish of ideas will start opening your mind. Mm-hmm. It's just, the things that we're not used to, we're just not used to because we haven't been exposed to it. And you'll find that most things, most things in the world have value when given the right context. Mm-hmm. So when, as far as my spiritual journey or path is concerned. The one thing um, 
which I had been trying had been trying to do for the last um, let's say the say last decade is to actually deconstruct how I work because the the um, I by and large I don't have any fear I've never really had any fear of anything um, they've I've never really stressed out about anything I've, I just don't experience that and I've never understood why I don't so I kept trying to understand it so that I could find a way to systemize it and give people, you know, a way to do it, a method to do that. Mm-hmm. But what I did realize is that, um, like for those who believe in leading multiple lives, right? So life after death, that your soul goes through a journey where it's constantly learning and developing through many lives. And um, you, you've, most people have gone through hundreds of lives, which means they've lived thousands of years. Now, over the course of thousands of years, you develop your mind, you develop your consciousness, and you kind of keep picking up from where you left off in the next life. And so I've, I came to the understanding that I'm, I was trying to deconstruct something which has taken me thousands of years to get to. And that in itself is not possible because it, it comes back to what we keep trying to do. We keep trying to find a shortcut to everything. But the truth is, I just am who I am. And I, kind of, I started to accept that and surrender to that idea in itself. And when I did that, I realized that what the best thing I can do for people is bring people that experience or the perspective I'm able to give from where I see it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much about finding solutions for people, but it's about telling them that there is another way to see everything. There's another way to see life. There's another way to handle challenges. There's another way to, to even see fear. And it helped me start understanding why most of the challenges exist for everyone in the world, whether it comes, you know, when anything, whether it comes to fear, stress, anxiety, everything actually just comes about because there's a disconnection with, within ourselves. We are disconnected from our, from the essence of who we are. And when we are, and when we are disconnected, we tend to experience all of this. And so we tend to look at, each experience or each challenge in isolation and try and fix it. So for instance, if somebody is um, experiencing anxiety, we target anxiety as a condition, even though the root of it is actually, again, just a disconnection within oneself. Mm-hmm. And so when you start looking at it from this angle, everything looks a lot simpler. And the path to actually dissolve a lot of these challenges also becomes a lot simpler. It becomes indirect because it becomes more about um, connecting with your soul, connecting with who you really are deep down, you're connecting with your heart. Uh, but once you start that process, you'll find that a lot of the external challenges just dissolve. They, they cease to exist. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of, this is what I've, what I've been focusing on right now, which is trying to bring people uh, this experience of a life without fear, a life without stress, a a life without any of this. Yeah, so it's like feeling your way through life is a really beautiful expression. And I've interviewed a lot of people and and it's a common theme that comes up and whether you're listening and you're, you know, you have your faith um, Mm -hmm. or you, or you don't, or you're, you're into the spiritual world, or, or you're not, these principles that we speak about are really important, about you know, really feeling your way through life and surrendering. And 
heard a lot of people say, you know, that if you are experiencing anxiety, there is a disconnect with who you really are. So it could be that you're doing a project that doesn't sit right with your values or, you know, you, you feel like you're, you're trapped in something or, you know, and it's going back to that, that freedom and that state. So if you, so you're saying you've not really experienced a lot of fear, but for someone, you know, that, that feels that anxiety or they feel Mm -hmm. that doubt, how do they start to surrender? Because obviously, you know, if you if you're faith, if you're black and white, and you've just got faith, and you know exactly what you're praying to, and you can mm. just say, you know, like God, take up, take this away, um, and and then that's a form of surrender. What would be your form of surrender? Okay, so the first thing I learned actually was that um, a lot of the solutions we provide people or we give people are actually not feasible or they're not practical, mm-hmm. right? So the one thing I found is a lot of people, uh, whether it's a healer or a coach, they tell people to surrender mm-hmm. like it's an act to do, right? It's not an action in itself because the act or the state of surrendering comes about when you have complete trust in the flow of life. Mm-hmm. And that trust takes a while to build. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen you know, the flip of a switch. So the first thing to recognize is that the experience people are going through is very real to them. Mm -hmm. So when they're experiencing anxiety or fear, it is real. So when people say, oh, fear is just an illusion. Sure, it is. But it becomes an illusion once it is, once you've gotten to that point. Until then, it's as real as an an experience as anything else you're experiencing. And the first thing is the recognition of what you're feeling and accepting that you're feeling it and accepting that it is okay to feel it. It is very normal to feel it. Different people experience the same disconnection in many different ways. Some experience it as anxiety, some as fear, some as stress. Um, and when it gets acute, it goes more towards depression. But again, everyone is going through this cycle of being happy and then feeling sad. At the end of the day, we, we will keep going through that cycle until we're able to collapse what, you know, what com- is commonly seen as the attachments we hold on to, right? Or the, or the ego that we have, as people say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would tell people who are going through any of these experiences, whether it's anxiety or fear, is that it is fine. It is actually perfectly normal that they're going through it. What they need to do is they need to start investing in certain practices that help them feel more connected, Mm -hmm. that help them feel, help their mind feel a bit free. It isn't so much about targeting anxiety as as a condition, more than it is about finding things that lighten your heart up again. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing that, that sense of, through that sense of connection, you will find the path in itself. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, right? And this is for, for people who have, um, who have a foot in spirituality who, or who have explored it a bit. Existence as we know it is perfect. It is flowing as it flows. So if you look at nature, 
every single living entity in nature is just flowing. Mm-hmm. It's just doing as it does, as its true nature is. Human beings are the only ones who really struggle with this process because of development of our mind. Mm-hmm. The reason we struggle is because we, we try and swim against the tide. We try and flow, we try and swim against the flow of our life. If our life is flowing in a certain direction, we have other ideas of where it should go. And so we hold on to those ideas. Mm-hmm. And because we hold on to those ideas, we get washed away with it, right? We end up struggling. We end up, the, the stronger we hold on to it, the more pain we experience. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we learn what we need to learn to let go and to surrender. And then when we do that, we start flowing with life again and things return to normal. And so with, for anyone going through any condition, when you start investing in practices that make you feel a little more connected to yourself, what you're doing is you're getting back in flow with life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, it doesn't even have to be in the area where you feel anxious. It can be in any other area of life. We have various different parts of life, right? So for instance, if somebody, um, say we have our family life, we have our professional life, we have our personal life, our life with friends, etc. Now, if we're feeling anxiety in any one particular area, it's worth looking at the other areas of life and investing in things over there, which make us feel more love, which make us feel more connected. Mm-hmm. As we do that, we start feeling ourselves again. Mm-hmm. And that starts flowing into the area where we're actually feeling anxiety or we're feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. So the, the main thing is to know that the entire experience of it actually will bring you something. But while you're going through it, it isn't so much about rejecting the experience or turning a blind eye to it. Mm-hmm. It's about allowing that experience to blossom in some way. The feeling of it is never great. However, it will end. And that's an important thing to know. Because when you know that it's going to end, that uncertainty of this experience extending to the rest of life starts, starts diminishing and allows you to build a bit of confidence in yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's really going to those places. I mean, I mean, for me to change that sort of vibes in the state, it's, you know, it's cold water, it's Mm -hmm. um, prayer, it's writing, it's singing, it's music, it's going for a run and, you know, it's doing Mm -hmm. these things, you know, going for a good massage, you know, whatever it is that can, you know, hugging connection, as you're saying, getting that sense of love and calm. Um, you know, so it's finding what that thing is for you. But how do we, you know, when you speak about the flow, how do we get the balance? Because, you know, when you do mindfulness training, you know, they'll say it's not about striving and we need to quieten down the ego. But obviously, you know, we do need to strive a little bit if we have goals and dreams. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I get that. Um, So... I'll tell you how I see it first, and then I'll give you something useful for people who are going through it. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of these practices that are out there, whether it is manifesting your dreams or mindfulness or any of these practices, they're all very useful, but they're useful within a certain context. So if we look at um, things like, you know, the law of attraction, which is quite popular now, 
it comes with the premise that what you want, that you know what you want, right? So you have a certain desire, a certain goal in life. And then you try and use all the systems within the universe and how it works to try and make that goal happen. However, what it is missing is that what we know or what we dream of or what we desire is based on a very limited awareness that we have. We only know what we currently know. And based on what we currently know, our memories and, and our, so the ideas we have, now we project what we think will make us happy in the future. And then we apply all these techniques to make that goal come, come to life. But there could be other things. There could be something that's much better for you in the future that you're not aware of. And that awareness allows you to stop chasing goals so much. It'll, that's where the flow of life comes in. Because then what you're looking to really do is to sync up with this current moment and what's happening right now in life and not thinking too far ahead or trying to project what you think will make you happy. So instead of trying to find happiness in the future, you find happiness right now. Because what are our goals after all? All our goals are just about things that we believe will bring us happiness. So why not just be happy right now? And I say that very flippantly because again, that's a process in itself. It's not a switch. But if the efforts go more towards tapping into or accessing the happiness in this very moment, then the future does not matter because the future is the next moment and you'll be able to find happiness within that as well. And then when you do that, you get into a proper flow with the universe because the universe is flowing in a certain way. It's actually taking your life in a, along a certain path. And the way to tap into that flow, the way to be in sync with that flow is by being in sync with this present moment and then letting go and allowing that to take you wherever it takes you. When we fix a certain outcome in the future, we fight the flow of life and we do everything we can to make that happen. Now this applies to everything. So if you look at mindfulness as a practice, it's an incredible practice. It's a very useful practice. But like all practices, the limitation is that you eventually will have to transcend that and go into your own version of it. And by that, I mean, when let's say, okay, let's say there's a God, right? Mm -hmm. Let's assume there's a God. Now, if there is a God, you would think that this God would know what he or she is doing. They're not random. They're not, they're not just, they've not just put life in motion and sitting back and watching things happen. Every single moment is deliberate. Every single thing that comes into your life is deliberate. And everything comes from a place of love. These are the most basic assumptions which one should have when they're approaching religion or spirituality. Because if there's a God who's angry or who, who in some way doesn't like certain things you do, then that, that doesn't sound like a very expansive God to me. And that's the representation of spiritual or of the universe or the divine. 
that people need to start cultivating. Because when you have that view, you will realize that there is nothing wrong in your life. Everything is going exactly as it should. You, have, you make certain choices, which are completely yours to make. But once you've made them, what transpires is what the universe brings you. And what it brings you is very specific. And it brings you exactly what is, what is perfect for you, your soul, your life, pretty much every dimension of your being. And when this idea starts sitting in, that's when surrender becomes easy. Because why don't we surrender? We don't surrender because we don't trust. If we, were, if we actually trusted completely in the divine, we wouldn't hold on to anything, would we? We would just let go and flow. Let go and flow. And then things will just come. Doors will open. Exactly. Life. Which is, which is, go on, sorry. Oh, go on, you go. Uh, things will flow even from a place of every single practice then becomes irrelevant. And this is why I said that everything has relevance within context. Because I don't want people to, you know what most people do is when they reach a certain point of development, they look back and they disregard everything that has taken them to that point. Mm-hmm. Because they've moved beyond it. But the truth is, every single piece was important. Mm -hmm. So if it's a practice that has limitations, that is fine. But it also has some benefit. The way to approach every practice is to approach it with that same openness of mind, whereby the moment it ceases to be of benefit to you, you have to be ready to move on move on to another practice and another, another ideology, another philosophy. You have to be flexible enough to realize that you can actually, that life will bring you many different forms of thinking. It'll be, bring you many different experiences and you have to be open to going through them because it is through these experiences that we learn and we grow. And which again brings me to the other thing which people struggle with, which, which is there's this heavy context or this heavy um what's the word there's this heavy burden on people to develop Mm -hmm. because we've been told that life is about development it's about learning but that's not entirely true because the the learning and the developing actually happens in the background life is actually just about living Mm-hmm. And if you truly live, if you truly live what's in front of you, you access this current moment, you access your heart, you see what brings you joy and you live it. You will find that whatever it is you need to learn, you will learn. But when we make life a journey of learning and developing, it becomes a very heavy journey. Because then everything we go through, we're constantly breaking it down. We're trying to see what the learning is. And it's just a very cumbersome experience. You say intelligence isn't your ability to think. It's your Mm. ability to stop thinking. And that's kind of what you're seeing right now, isn't it? It is, yes. And that is, we will constantly think. We know, we constantly try and 
bring ourselves, think our way out of things. But all the answers actually reside in our heart. Mm-hmm. They do. And I say, and the reason I say the heart, the heart is because the heart, your heart is your connection to the divine, to the universe. Mm-hmm. And so suppose you have a problem. You will try and figure out a way. You'll try to figure out a solution to it, right? Now, when it doesn't work, you will look at it from another angle and try something else. And then another and another. And eventually, once you've tried them all, you just give up because you realize that you just don't know. And it is that state of not knowing that allows the mind to relax and surrender to the heart. And that is where divine intelligence flows in. That is where you get real intelligence. What we know right now in our mind is our intellect. It's just knowledge. It's accumulated data. It's things we've heard, we've learned, we've read. And we've just stored it in our mind. And because it's in our mind, we believe we know. But knowing is actually the biggest fallacy. It is the thing that stops us from learning. Because when we think we know, we close ourselves to knowing anything beyond that or to experiencing anything beyond it. Do you know... And it is... Sorry, mm-hmm. I finish you what you were saying. It is that. And, and, that's, and that's pretty much what that, what that statement was about, which is the moment we realize that we don't know and we stop thinking... That is when intelligence flows in. I love that. I mean, what would you say to someone that um, just loves reading books, loves learning, is really into, you know, knowledge, and they don't really prioritize time to go into the heart space and, and consider these things that you speak of? Um, so I'll say there's a phase for everything. Mm -hmm. So even the desire for knowledge, the desire to accumulate knowledge or read or to learn more, that in itself is a desire. So follow it because it is there for a reason, Mm -hmm. but with a certain level of openness, see, this has to be this little bit, this little door that you leave open in your mind, this door of maybe I don't know, or maybe there's more. As long as you leave that open, go into any desire you have and experience it fully. You will learn from it. There's something you will benefit from it. But that door will start opening wider the moment the benefit is gone. Because you allow yourself to see that, right? I've done this. I've read everything possible. And through the process of elimination, I've realized that it hasn't changed life. Mm-hmm. or that certain aspects have fed into life and certain aspects have not. And that will lead you to the next part of your journey. So that this is why no matter what you do, it's, um, you can see it like this. So suppose we stick a pole in the ground. We tie a string to it and we try and we hold on to the other end of it. Now that pole in the ground is our foundation. That is us our soul and we anchor ourselves to it. That's our heart. Now from there, when you have a desire, go on, walk towards it, dive into it, 
but keep holding that string so that when that desire is fulfilled, when, you, when you're done with it, do it from that place of connection. Find your way back to your connection so that it allows you to constantly go and find new avenues. It allows you to explore different desires. And that's the beauty of life because it brings us so many diverse experiences. So experience them. There's no harm in it. Certain experiences might not be that helpful, but even that, as you go through, you will learn. So it has value in itself. Life as it is to us is perfectly constructed. The way for us to tap into that or the way for us to make the most of it is to experience it with an open heart and an open mind. The open mind that ensures you don't get sucked into it too long Mm-hmm. And the open heart that ensures you're always connected to yourself and the universe. Mm-hmm. And you were, the, you've got a quote and it says, you know, feeling our soul and not our ego. You know, is that mm-hmm. tr- true joy to you? It is. So feeling our soul again is the heart space. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're connected to that place, you are in a state of complete acceptance and surrender. And it's a difficult one. Look, everyone experiences it at different points in time. Everyone has. There's certain times when you're just very joyful, when you feel completely at peace, you feel expansive, you feel very light. Mm -hmm. And that's the moment where you're actually very connected to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then life kicks in or certain ideas you have of life kicks in, the chase for certain goals, whatever it is. And it stretches us away from this connection. But everyone has actually felt it. So that is your soul. That is you. That is who you really are. When you're in that state, because you're so connected to yourself, the mind isn't playing up. Your identity is collapsed. You have no conditioning at that point. You just are in complete flow with that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love it. What about though, you know, so just say you're feeling your soul, okay? You're going through life and you're just free. You know, you have a quote and it says, love is what you feel within and it has nothing to do with what the other person does. Mm-hmm. So just say you, you think you're falling in love with someone, you, know, you, you meet someone and you're like, oh, this is just love. Is this, hmm. talk to me a bit about what this statement means. It's nothing to do with what the other person does. It, it's something soulful. Okay, so every experience of ours has a propensity to bring us happiness and pain, as well as love and rejection. And those are the things we're always running towards happiness and love, and we're always trying to run away from rejection and pain. That's, that sums up life. That's what every single human being is doing. And then we develop com- complex strategies to try and achieve that. Mm-hmm. So when we connect with people, what we're doing is we're just connecting, again, we're connecting to a version of ourselves, which we see in that person, or that person sparks our heart in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say that love is not about the other person, the other person has triggered that feeling. Mm -hmm. The other person has triggered a feeling that already exists within you. Mm -hmm. So what you're accessing is just you, but the other person has helped you access it in some way. Mm -hmm. And this goes for pain as well. So when someone triggers you, 
the other person is again just the trigger but you are tapping into something that exists within you and that's why you feel it mm-hmm. you're tapping into an idea that you're holding on to very tightly and that's why you experience discomfort or pain mm-hmm. so through our entire experience of life and relationships are obviously the the biggest area where people face challenges because that's where your heart is sparked the most mm-hmm. it's where when you're in the presence of certain people you feel different but what you're feeling is they are basically sh- showing you a mirror and they're showing you a part of you that is free a part of you that has that love within you and it's your own love but in equal measure they're also showing you the parts of you that you're closed up in or the parts of you where you're holding ideas or beliefs and that's why people constantly go between the two they keep swinging between that love and you know going through various conflict mm-hmm. but the the key point there is the entire experience is within you you are you you are other people are not the cause of it they're just a trigger so as you go through your entire life and you'll find that the more you're able to tap into who you are the more you you find that that place of connection and balance within yourself relationships change it becomes less about needing love for the other person or from the other person it becomes more about understanding that each soul is actually on an independent journey and just like you've tapped into that love within yourself so will everybody has that within them as well right now the reason there's so much of conflict that people have is because we we get too invested in relationships in that we get so invested in trying to change the other person we get so invested in trying to change, to make the person meet our expectations or even ask me their own their expectations and that is where everything goes upside down because we lose sight of the fact that we actually have that entire feeling within us we just have to find a way to tap into it we don't have to bend somebody else just to get that feeling of love but we need connection so i guess you're not saying don't fall in love and don't enjoy people it's just realize that love is should be in its purest sense free and non-controlling and you know to surrender exactly i'm saying dive into it actually mm-hmm. so if you're if you're um infatuated in a relationship go with it mm-hmm. i'm saying going with go with whatever experience you feel because even if within that experience is something that's unhealthy for you you will figure that out but if you feel it go with it mm-hmm. although and over time go with it with a certain level of awareness awareness that okay i feel this i feel really strongly for this person however i am aware that this feeling is within me now being aware is more in the mind because i don't i don't have th- that feeling isn't me or that awareness is not me yet it's just an idea that's floating in my head mm-hmm. however it allows you to take half a step back and not get too sucked into it mm-hmm. yeah so you don't just dive in and become and also you know 
It might not be, you know, you could be in a married relationship and then still meet, you know, 50 people that you, you feel, you know, drawn towards in that time or whatever. You hear mm-hmm. about all the time, you know, people having affairs and, you know, and, and that's perhaps, so what would you say to someone that's been in that situation so a partner has perhaps felt something for someone and left them for someone else or they've, you know, is that a heart-led thing? Is that, you know, in, in this world of freedom, are we just meant to go with their gut and everyone you meet that you like? Do you know what I mean? Like, where's the boundary? <laughs> so, all right. So this is a controversial one. So thanks, Georgia. Right. <laughs> but um, all right. So look, at a, at a very simple level, there are no rules in this world. All the rules are made up. When I say all the rules are made up, all the labels are made up too. Everything's made up and we've made them up. We've made them up for a certain sense of security. So is there any benefit to any of these labels? Yes, there is because it helps us um, maintain a certain level of grounding. It helps us feel like we know. It helps us feel a bit secure. However, there does, there does come a point where none of these labels matter. Now, if a person is just blindly going with what they feel, right? Then yes, they can go from one partner to the next to the next because they, they, that these connections do exist. The connections, the energy between it is not, it's very real. It's about for people, the only difference between people who actually are completely loyal in that sense, right? They hold on to a sense of loyalty is because they hold on so strongly to that idea of loyalty they shut down any of these or the feel, feeding any of this energy mm-hmm. for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, for when people have no rules around it, like absolutely no rules around it, they can't go from one to the next. Is either healthy? Not really. Because both of them are just hinging on a particular idea. One is hinged on the idea of loyalty. The other is hinging on the idea that there is no loyalty. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, right, once you come to a place where you, um, you realize it's like this. Uh, I'll, g- I'll give an example through another concept. So if you look at something like uh, guilt. Mm-hmm. Now, guilt as, um, as an emotion is not very useful. However, it's extremely important to go through to understand that it's not useful because you develop the intelligence of it. So for instance, if you have people who are willing to do anything and believe there are no repercussions to their actions, they will never be able to step out of their own skin to see the point of view from somebody else's. Mm -hmm. So that's where guilt plays a role. Because the moment you do something and you harm somebody else as you see it, then when you feel that sense of guilt, you've basically stepped out, you've stepped into their shoes and you've seen the experience from their eyes. Mm -hmm. However, when you then zoom out even further and realize that there's actually a certain flow to life and each soul and, you know, then you realize actually there's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And then guilt in itself disappears. But because you've developed that intelligence of it, you don't approach it from a place where you can't see the other person's perspective, but you go with the flow of the universe. So you know that actions you do are not done to harm other people. And, you, and, and even what we see as harm to other people isn't really, because within that, there is something for them too. 
So basically, you're constantly developing your consciousness around these ideas. And as you do, the same idea keeps changing. And but because your view becomes more expansive, and you see more of life, your experience of it becomes a bit muted. You don't just sway with the tide of energy. And so now coming back to your question, that's what happens. Loyalty is extremely useful initially because you're going through a collective experience with another, with another individual. So as you're doing that, the sense of loyalty helps you understand what is important to the other individual as well. Once you've developed that understanding, then when you're able to collapse loyalty, you will feel what you feel everywhere else as well, but you will do it with cognition and awareness. You won't just randomly do things just because you feel it. You will do it from a much higher place of awareness and you'll do what is right for everyone involved, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess it comes, as you're saying, it's seeing the other person, it's having empathy there because you know, if you've got a couple of people that are just properly free and not attached to labels at all mm-hmm. and just going, you know, then feeling the way through life um but everyone's experience of life is so unique and so different and you know as you say it's that kind of higher awareness and i guess cultivating compassion for others as well right it is and even that cultivation of compassion it is something that happens as your consciousness grows because um you know all these rules are actually pretty harmful so the ideas of right and wrong or any of these rules for that matter, they actually peg us back quite a bit in life. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the idea of compassion, most people have been told that you need to be compassionate to be a good human being. Right? So how do we develop compassion? Because compassion is, again, a step ahead of empathy. And even empathy in itself, empathy just means understanding. Mm -hmm. And it's pure understanding. But most of us approach empathy from this place of feeling sorry for the other person. But feeling sorry for the other person doesn't come on an equal footing because you're still approaching from a certain altitude. You know, it's not really empathy. Empathy is when you step in and you completely understand the experience of the other person as they would, given their beliefs, given how they see things, given how they view the world. And so when you're able to empathize, you will not only see what the person wants, you'll also understand to a degree what the person needs. So it's not so much ego, it's more soul. Mm -hmm. And then compassion is basically love again. So with compassion, people feel that, okay, compassion looks like this. And so they try and engineer that. They try and reverse engineer the process of compassion. Because they're told, okay, fine, now if I feel compassionate, if I feel for other human beings, I'm a good person. And so they try and perform those acts of compassion because they feel that that makes them compassionate. But compassion actually is just consciousness. So as your consciousness grows, everyone has a very natural sense. Let's, let's simplify this whole thing. Everyone feels love. Now, if there were no rules to how you should express this love in the world, you will express in whatever way you feel it. Mm-hmm. Now, as your, as your consciousness grows and you tap into more love within you, you will feel more love. 
for everything around. The love, love will change form a little bit. It'll be a little more expansive. It'll be a little more holistic. And as it keeps growing, you get to a point where you hit compassion, where you just feel the interconnectedness of everything. Mm-hmm. And you feel that just you feel that just as you are a soul, every other living thing is a soul. Every other living entity is a soul. Whether it's whether it's another human being or another or an animal or a tree or whatever it is. And through that compassion, you will just you will just feel for everything. But that doesn't you can never fake that feeling. You can never perform an action that makes that feeling real. That comes over time. And that's why the pressure to be compassionate is actually a very harmful thing because it makes people judge themselves. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't do something that hits the parameters of compassion, they feel like that person is not a good person. Yeah. But if you allow people to just flow with what they actually truly feel, not only will they do what is right for them and right for others from their, from their standing or their standpoint, but you, you will find that they will start growing into what is a very natural state of compassion. That's why practices that also go like tell you to be compassionate. It's like telling you to surrender. Mm-hmm. Can you? Not really. Yeah, it's, it, you know, there's um, a, a verse in the Bible that says God is love. And, and I really like that because I, I mm. think love is like the highest power we have. And, you know, I've been in a, a stage myself where I just felt so much love. I really felt like something had shifted mm. and it felt really supernatural, actually. Um, and then but there was a part of me that when I was challenged, I would lash back. So although I had this really strong love within me, I, I sort of, I wasn't sleeping as much and it became very euphoric and out of the body. And this wasn't, you know, it was like I'd been injected with something, but it was just all from a year of kind of spiritual practice. And um, I really sort of came out of my body a lot and uh, was hospitalized and told it was a, an intense manic episode and it, it did hit every um, definition of that. Um, but at the same time, I, I, for me, it felt like a, a complete, just a shift in my consciousness. Uh, and it was, you know, I, I go back to this time and, um, you know, it's still a lot to process, but what would you say to someone that's perhaps, you know, really kind of feel like they've, they've been full with love and compassion? Um, well, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it at the time. And then they're perhaps told that they're, you know, mentally unwell and they need to come back down to earth and, and get grounded again. Well, it's, it was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the most incredible feeling. Um, yeah, just unbelievable. Like so much love and compassion and just wanted to take pain away from anyone. Um, but then as, as my, my sleep started to get impacted with it all, I did start to, you know, experience sort of negative things as well, you know, so I couldn't stay on that level, if that makes sense. It's like opening a tap. So... Or let's just say, um, let's say you've developed a hard crust. 
you develop this this little ball around this little, this little so let's just say you have this little ball of love that is who you are mm-hmm. right that's who that's what your soul is and now around it we built layers and layers of of different ideas beliefs whatever it is and so we don't we can't really feel that love it leaks through on and off but what you've experienced is basically a massive hole being drilled into this and this thing just bursting through mm-hmm. and that is you that love you feel is you, it's universe, it's God, it's everything. And it's a beautiful experience. Now, there is the rest of the crust that needs to collapse over time, right? Mm-hmm. And this, this little breakthrough is what will start seeping into everything. It'll start eroding all these ideas. And that's the process of life. It'll come through different experiences and you'll find that it just gets, it gets more... Um, the, the experience gets more full. It gets, it makes more sense. It makes, uh, it fits in better into life. It's not more than a burst of energy. It starts becoming a little mellow, but you start, you'll feel that on a more consistent basis. Now, it's a hard experience to go through when you then experience the other end of it as well. And you will tend to. It's, it's, it's a natural thing. Because there is the other side of it, which we're used to. So if you experience an, an, an immense burst of love, you're probably going to experience the side effects of it as well, which is flipping to the other side. And that's, that's okay. It's okay to go through it. Just find that over time, it will start evening out as your mind starts, starts getting used to it. Or let's just say you start getting used to accessing your heart a bit more. So it's sort of like... Um, it's sort of like meditation, right? Now you have, you have seven different energy centers within you, the chakra system. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of, of your entire life is basically encompassed in, this, in these seven energy centers. Each center controls a certain aspect of life or it, t- or it overlooks a certain aspect of life. Now, as you start opening each center, life starts changing. Now, when all, this, all these seven centers open, the, the energy bursts through you. Basically, life bursts through you. Existence goes through you. The universe flows through you. But a lot of people have had experiences where they've managed to open it through meditation, but they haven't, their mind hasn't been ready for it. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, they feel a strong surge of energy goes through them. Mm-hmm. And it also manifests physical pain. You know, certain different parts of like, for instance, if you have one energy center in your throat, so they feel intense pain at the back of their neck. Mm-hmm. It, these are just, it's just because everything hasn't come together at the same time. But that surge itself starts creating transformation. And that's the beauty of it. So what you've gone through, and a lot of people go through in different ways. It's an incredible experience. The sad thing is, and think about the words you used as well. People said you need to come down to earth and grind yourself. I mean, basically everyone, the world is used to it, up to people being a certain way to be normal, right? We'd see a certain person act a certain way and that for us is normal. Mm-hmm. And that is because that we're all conditioned to be a certain way. We're all conditioned to say the same thing, to behave the same way, to you know, react in a similar fashion. The moment somebody deviates from that, they're seeing the people think there's something wrong with that person. But that deviation is actually where you start breaking away from everything. 
and so when people say oh come back to you know mother earth come back to what what is normal it's basically saying all right let's 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 get conditioned again and you know mm-hmm. settle into what we know of life mm-hmm. so anyone who goes through anything like this it's a blessing we just have to know it's blessing and yes it it definitely can be challenging but it's a great step because from there a lot will happen and as you you just need to find somebody who's able to um smooth out the journey so that the challenges you face can be given context and can be and can be toned down i can't i won't say they that they would go completely because they will go when your consciousness has reached that point where they no longer exist but until then with context with perspective the experience can change deep stuff <laughs> it's really really fascinating and uh, i i could talk about this all day but uh time is bashing on but maybe we'll need mm. to get you on again but um there was a quote you said the moment you think you know you no longer do Hmm. So that one, right? Um, so every so a lot of my Instagram is uh, me playing around a bit, right? Because I'm trying to figure out the right balance for how to bring across messages which uh, resonate with people. Because what I found is that, uh, especially through the process of coaching, everyone talks about changing people, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that you should be changing anybody. Mm-hmm. You should just be helping people access more of who they are, and with that. they will go through the transformation they need you need to align people with the universe that's it the universe knows all the answers so why should we bother trying to figure it out mm-hmm. so that particular quote is just me messing around a little bit it's it's got a bit of taoism in it i think so the basically the principle of it is that the moment we see as long as we think we know something we set it in stone and it gives us confidence that sense of knowing but the moment you hold on to it it disappears again because as the moment you think that okay i know the answer now that thought itself will limit the answer that thought will limit the flow of energy and Ener- energy is free flowing the universe is free flowing so is so are you but our tendency to hold on to things because it gives us confidence or gives us a certain s- sense of security is actually what limits us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you're able to flow with it so most of the time so for me i know that most of my thoughts are not mine mm-hmm. i know when they are mine and i know when they're not and when i say when they're not i don't mean to scare people here what i mean is that i've i get to a point where i'm just flowing and so what comes to me i'm not actually thinking about it actually just comes through my heart and i say it mm-hmm. so that's basically the universe you you tap into divine wisdom yeah there's a there's a verse that's always stuck with me it's just be still and know but just mm. just be still um and you know just let it you just sort of wash over as you say be still and sort of connect to the soul and just know exactly and and see this is the beauty of religion that's why there is no and this is this is an example of it so that very quote which i which i 
put out that the moment you think you know you no longer do it applies exactly to this so you asked me about my opinion about religion and spirituality now if i give you a very firm answer that oh you know what religion is not good spirituality is actually the way to go mm-hmm. that in itself shows the limitation of my thinking mm-hmm. because every single thing has value mm-hmm. and every single thing is powerful you just need to know how to tap into that power and you need to know when you don't know, you no longer need that and then you will move to something else and it doesn't always mean that you will move up that that you will go from religion to spirituality to something else it just means you'll go from experience to experience knowledge to knowledge philosophy to philosophy picking the pieces that start filling out your mind that start filling out your ability to tap into the divine so every single there's no there's no there's nothing that's set in stone there's nothing that's definite there's nothing that is absolute and as long as there's that we we know that it allows us to relax a bit with things we don't always have to look at a certain thing and judge it or say that it is or that thing is of no use anymore every single thing is very valuable and that is where this comes to the moment you're able to relax your mind and be still mm-hmm. everything will flow yeah and nature is a great way to do that so how do you um feel what what does being alive mean to you being alive that's an interesting question being, uh feeling alive so the place where uh, the thing well you just said it yourself actually uh nature is something that that helps that helps me sync up or let's just say um i feel most in flow because when you look around and everything is just as is it acts you it helps your energy as well sync up but it helps your energy uh, resonate with it right there's an harmony that comes with it mm-hmm. um and so that for me is it it's not so much about coming alive at that point but it's a certain sense of peace a certain sense of quiet now what brings life to me is actually it's different things at different times and uh, honestly i don't think i have a set answer for it mm-hmm. there are different things i enjoy doing there's certain at certain point in time um like i like watching things um certain times when i don't so sometimes i just like like sitting still like listening to music they're various different things but at every point uh at every point in time it's actually different and mm-hmm. that's where i try not uh lean on something as a set pattern mm-hmm. whatever whatever i just actually feel mm-hmm. i go with that so for me it's actually more a sense of peace and quiet mm-hmm. if there's something that really makes me feel alive within me it's that mm, i love that answer and I, i always ask people if they, they recommend any books but you're saying earlier you don't read uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see can i recommend a book look i've 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 tapped like i've uh, i've kind of read bits and pieces of different books but just to know what they are um would i recommend a book no not really 
And I mean, that isn't, that isn't to say that none of them are good. I think there are a lot of good books. It depends on what a person's looking for, right? If a person, so the different stages of, there's a very interesting one. Right? So the different stages of, um, of development in itself. So you have self-development where people are slowly start waking up to the idea that, you know, they they can control their life a bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, then eventually that gives way to spiritual awakening because someone realizes, hey, guess what? There's, there's something beyond this. There's a perspective that's larger. Mm-hmm. And then people go down this path of spiritual development and spiritual shopping where they go from thing to thing within spirituality, all the different practices, and they get wowed by all these different techniques and these different things that come to place. Mm-hmm. And eventually they get to spiritual fatigue mm-hmm. where they're now tired of shopping. Mm-hmm. And that's when life comes back in because they get, basically what happens in spirituality is you get lost creating a new identity for yourself because now you're suddenly supposed to be a soul. You're supposed to be an embodiment of love and you try and live up to these ideas, which it doesn't really work that way. Um, but the exposure to the ideas themselves are useful. But you try and you create a new identity for yourself and then eventually you realize that I've given up on life and I'm following something else now. Mm-hmm. I've actually disconnected myself from life. Yeah. And that's when you start integrating spirituality with life again. That's when you start living life from a spiritual place. Mm-hmm. And you just experience the lightness of life itself. So, different, so books, there are many books across this entire sort of path, this developmental path that people tend to take. Um, most people actually start with the alchemist. That's probably the most common one. Mm-hmm. That's where people, that's when people are going from self-dev into spiritual de- development. If you're looking at self-development in itself, um, I don't know. To be honest, I would not even want to recommend something because I'm, I'm just not the right person for it. <laughs> I might take people down a path which is probably not best for them. <laughs> No, I, I, I really uh, appreciate that. And uh, I, I've written down living life from a spiritual place because I, I just like, I like the way you say that. Um, what about music for a person's playlist? Is there a song that really boosts up your kind of mojo? Uh, so music's, so off late I've been, um, well, you know, it's, it's going to sound a bit contradictory here because uh, there's a song called remember remember by uh let me see who it's by i think it's by omkara it's called uh she's called or she calls herself anyway um it's a very it's a very interesting i heard this once at um at a muji sort of satsang where they played this it was a very beautiful song mm-hmm. the idea of the song is basically remember who you are and it's got a nice tune to it. it's got a nice feel to it mm-hmm. so that's that's a song that i quite like um but i used to listen to a lot of uh a lot of punk rock and and so i think a song that that's kind of stuck with me through the through through the years is time of time of your life uh, by green day awesome. um so yeah but i listen to different things um but i i listen to quite a lot of music that uh, one would classify as happy music mm-hmm. because i find that there's a lot of devotion in it there's a lot of feeling in it mm-hmm. because the people who who sing this it comes with a lot of heart mm-hmm. Uh, so I just, I, I just pick up whatever's kind of new in the market with it and see what's, what it feels like. Feeling your way through the life. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Oh, oh, it's been so interesting to talk to you. I've opened up my mind and I am sure the listeners have too. So 
thank you so much. Um, do you, is it best for people to contact you via Instagram? I think so, yes. That's probably the best place. Well, I'll put all the details in the show notes. And um, thank you so much for this morning's Mojo Injection. And Thanks a lot. It was a good conversation. I really enjoyed being here. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been really, really awesome. You didn't get a book out of him, did I? <laughs> I got a song, though, and I'm all about the mojo. I'm all about the singing, singing and swimming through 2021. <laughs> Beautiful lyrics. Green day, good riddance, time of your life. Such a tune. Something unpredictable, but then the end is right. I hope you have the time of your life whatever that means to you and your heart. Certainly a theme in this week's conversation. Love these lyrics. So take the photographs and still frames in your mind. Hang it on a shelf in good health and good time. Tattoos of memories and desking on dry. For what is worth, it was worth all the while. Something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you have the time of your life. I hope you have the time of your life. I hope you take time to get still, to question this amazing world we're in, to connect, to feel, to feel your way through life, to prioritize happiness, stillness, calmness, and of course, music. In the end is right I hope you have the time of your life But in the end is right I hope you have the time of your life Love this song So glad he shouted this one out So many good memories Sing along with me It's something unpredictable But in the end is right I hope you have the time of your life. I'm off to jump in a cold reservoir, guys. <laughs> All the love.